Hello, welcome to Soberish. The we have entered the second horse of the apocalypse podcast. Can you enter a horse? <laughs> that doesn't feel right. Can we in oh, fuck it. Anyway, um very excited uh to introduce my guest right now. I have Tierra Pig here. Hello, hello. This podcast is going to blow your mind. I have to usually like hang out for a little bit first to get rid of the um, social anxiety because I'll make the whole podcast weird. And then that took us about seven minutes. And then it was just amazing conversation. And I just in the back of my head the whole time was like, this has to be get down to the microphones, get down to the microphones. Um, I am. uh, I know you have a few. you're probably more organized than I am. A few yeah. talking points, but um, love and light spirituality, I don't resonate with, never yeah. really have resonated with it. And I don't, it misses a lot of the influences. I think things that I um, have been exposed to more in kind of the circles that I follow and stuff. And I yeah. realized as we started talking about ancestral wounds yep. in the Facebook group that a lot of people don't even know about their ancestors. Jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and so that's obviously something that uh, we are going into ancestral uh, wound work, mm-hmm. I guess I would call it. Um, but this actually we talked, I guess it was a week ago on Instagram and you said, I would love to talk to you sometime about yep. being black 5D in the South. Yes. And you said, if you ever come back to Tennessee, let me know. And I was like, I live here. Uh, let's do this. Yep. And, then, um, and then a bunch of other stuff in the world happened. So tell me a little bit about your awakening. Okay. So um, my first awakening was in 2012. And it was what I call my love and light awakening. It was um, me just recognizing that I was a spiritual being. Me recognizing that... Um, There was energy all around me recognizing how this energy took uh, a toll on me and how it could help me and how I could use my energy for good, stuff like that. And um, I did that for a while, fell asleep a couple times. Um, And I want to say three years ago, I had my second awakening. And that was when my shadow work started. Okay. And when I got introduced to ancestral work. So 2017? Yep. About? Okay. Yep. The, you said something really interesting in the kitchen, and I want to follow that a little bit. Most of us who woke up previous to 2012 mm-hmm. had a love and light awakening. Yes. And, uh, man, was it comfortable at the end of that to think that we had figured it out? Uh-huh. And I have uh, described that as 4D, which is like the mental space, right? Yeah. And and the mental space comes to these conclusions. And that is really how we healed in the mental space. But mm-hmm. by the end of my 4D ascension, I was like, nothing outside of me can affect me. And I have mm-hmm. to forgive those who hurt me yeah. and whatever. But it's all this. Everyone is coming from a place of pain as mm-hmm. well. You know, mm-hmm. we are all one, you know. Yep. It's now would be considering spiritual bypassing. Yes, absolutely. But that is everything that the mental space has to offer. If you want to heal mentally without the the 5D is that emotional space. Like Mm. that is graduating the mental, the fourth dimensional ascension. And then we all just kind of thought we had it. Yeah. 
And then 5D shows up in 20, uh, the, the preparation for 5D shows up in 2017. It's like, now. <laughs> now everything is valid, you know? Your anger, valid. Your sadness, valid. Your happiness, still valid. Like, you have to go through all of this different stuff. And it was hard. But the main thing that I learned going through it, and I think the main thing that a lot of people need to hold on to right now, is moving fluidly through all of this, you know, yeah. not getting attached to uh, the last thing that you figure out, you know, like that doesn't mean that that's it. Yeah, that that's not it. There's always more and not getting attached to it is a big, big part for me. Do you think it is like it's this like need for a finish line? Yeah. It's a like it's a rather than seeing it as an infinite onion, uh -huh. the infinite onion of trauma. <laughs> yeah. You know, there is a desire to get to a finish line, to arrive at a place mm -hmm. which doesn't really line up with what energy is. And the weirdest realization I had in 2019 was like. I used to think awakening was this like moral thing that we were doing and we were bringing light to the darkness. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's when Ramin was on, he was like, you know, as soon as we wake up, we're just going to start the process of going back to sleep. Right. Cause we're just bored energy. Dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens over and over and over again. And anyone who went through it in 2012, you can look back and see how many times you were like, well, I'm done with, that i'm gonna do this toxic shit right here for yeah. a minute and that's just how it is and another thing with uh that i've come into with waking up in the um the 5d ascension is we're only required to be human you know what i mean and i think everybody gets so wrapped up and we're we, we have to be the best that we can be yeah we have, oh nobody would do this nobody would do that but when it comes down to it you're having a human experience. So when you look at the times where you mess up or you've said the wrong thing, especially during um, like all of this personal correcting that's going on during this time, yeah. just take it as that. It's yeah. just something to do. Every time I would find something new that I had to do, I would hear my ancestors or I would talk to them first really and be like, I'm tired. Like I'm tired. And they would be like, well, what else do you have to do? Right. Yeah. What else do you have to do? What are you going to go back to drinking all day? You want to go back to just sleeping or you want to work through this shit? I just had this conversation on a uh, Patreon live. Um, there is this the, the energy that we're in now is birth energy, which still feels like death because there's yeah. still tons of death happening. Yeah. But in birth it's extreme pain. It feels like death. Like you're mm -hmm. so close to death, but something you're trying to bring new life forth. Yeah. And there is this desire, especially in more love and light kind of yeah. uh, energy to say like, can we just have peace? Like I don't participate in these like peace meditation. I don't, nothing against anyone who does. Yeah. I just alienated 10,000 people. <laughs> nothing against anyone who does. But I believe in allowing energy to transmute in the way that it is supposed to transmute. Now, obviously, yeah. I have um, was given kind of the the you know the playbook for this, so yeah. none of the stuff is really surprising me that's happening. But in order to balance the energies, especially this ancestral stuff that's coming up right now, mm -hmm. it has to play out this way. It has to play out 
in uh, what Love and Lighters would consider conflict. Yeah. And asking for there to be peace right now is like saying to a woman who is in transition giving birth, um, could you just like <laughs> calm down? Um, you're kind of making me like you're stressing me out yeah. a little bit. Can yeah. we just all calm down? Can we have it's like that's not the that's not what's happening. Yeah. And um, I don't remember how I got onto that. Oh, the, uh, it was you. I just needed a segue. That was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great because we're going to um, I want to talk about what actually woke me up. So it was my birth. It was my labor. Um, yeah. Oh, I it, love this. It was uh, I had the labor in 2015. Okay. But I was in a moment of not recognizing my power. And I know that this story is going to change a lot for some people because there are two layers to this. There's a spiritual layer and then there's a 3D. 3D, black women are oppressed in different ways than black men are. So black men and some black women, I don't want to generalize, but this is typically how I've seen it in my life. This is how it shows up in my life. The black men that I come across, they have more issues with authority figures and police officers, security guards, stuff like that. Okay. The um, black women in my life that I've experienced, we have issues with um, hospitals and medical and like financial things, like as far as uh, getting paid properly or getting job opportunities. That's where we find ourselves in oppressive situations. So not only was I in a situation to where um, me just being black, I wasn't being listened to. So when I had issues, when I had concerns, when I knew that my body didn't feel right and I knew that something was going on, no one was listening to me. And that hits your inner child, right? Right. So um, not only did it hit my inner child, but I'm in labor. (laughs) You know, I have (sighs) my kid and it felt like a very hopeless, like, situation. And it was like, it was to this day, one of the lowest moments of my life. So when there's a woman and she has a lot of power and she's neglecting it, Things will happen like um, everything that could happen that's bad will happen, but you'll be fine. And that's kind of a that's kind of a way of your higher self letting like waking you up. Right. Because it gets you to thinking a little bit. So with my labor, um, my water broke at like 12 o'clock in the morning. Um, It was my labor was 36 hours long. Um, There was. There was a time where they would come in and say, um, you know, your water has been broken for a long time. And if it's broken past 12 hours, we have to put you on an IV drip of uh, antibiotics to make sure there's no infection. Okay, cool. And then I would hear something say, they're going to come in with more bad news, but you're going to be fine. I was like, okay. They would come in. Oh, and uh, the baby pooped while he was in there. So we're... When you actually push the baby out, we're going to have a lot of doctors and nurses in here and they're going to grab him right away to make sure that he doesn't breathe any of that in. Okay, fine. So um, I wasn't contracting. So I would hear it again. They're going to come in. More bad news. You're going to be fine. Cool. They come in. You're not contracting. You know, it's been a couple of hours. So we're going to start drawing Pitocin. Okay. And this goes on for 
hours. Mm. I mean, it was like, um, you're not dilating, so we're going to put you on more Pitocin. That's going to start your contractions. I had to get two epidurals because my labor was so oh my God. long. They um, had to put a monitor in my uterus. They had to... Um, they had to do so, so much. And it was like I was being, I knew that every step that was happening, it was going to happen before it happened. And it did not make it easier to go through it. You know what I mean? It was tough. And my mother had never seen anything like it. My um, son's dad had never seen anything like it. So it was just me, you know? Wow. It was just me trying to get through this of a labor that I've never heard of anything like this. First kid. Shit. Yeah. So um, um, when it came time to push, they then were like, they were checking to see if I was fully dilated. And they're like, I don't know if you're going to be able to push him out. And that's when my power kicked in. And I was wow. like, oh, yeah, he's coming out. <laughs> and it was 36 hours in. And they tried to tell me that all of this was for not. No, ma'am, he's coming out. Thank you. Step aside. <laughs> Holy shit. Were they saying because you were too tired? I don't know. They were trying to say that um, my like my bone structure was not made to push a baby out. And I was like, bro, look, I'm about to push. Sorry. <laughs> Are you just now, <laughs> exactly. just now becoming aware of my bones? You know what you I know? mean? They've been here for 36 hours. Exactly. I was like, look, I don't know what you're talking about. And it, it came to a point where I was like, I have to stop fucking listening to these people. They don't know. Like, I'm pushing now. Thank oh. you. You know? And uh, one push, he came out still. <gasps> yeah. They um, had to take him out a little bit. He uh, had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. Literally everything that could happen, happen. it was so bad. But um, another thing that they did, and this is part of the oppressive part that I want to get into. Um, I had the epidural, so I was completely numb. I couldn't tell what was going on. And um, my son let out one cry, one big one, and then that was it. And I it startled me because I was like, what? Hey, hey, this has been a rough 36 hours. Yeah. What's going on with my kid? You know? So I have my head turned and I'm looking and I'm asking and my friends are checking on him and they're telling me about it. And, uh, you know, there's, he's good. Everything's fine. And I look down and there's a nurse elbow deep inside of my body. And I was like, ma'am, what are you doing? Holy shit. Yeah. Had no idea. Can you imagine that is startling to just have someone inside of your body like that? You could not feel it. She did not say anything. It was nothing. Complete invasion of my space, my body. Ugh. And um, and I was like, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I'm just removing your placenta. And I feel her literally pulling. Exactly. She's pulling at my body. And I'm like, um, no. And that. Right there, something that I still have to heal to this day. Like, I just got uh, Reiki done on it. I do womb healings every day. Like, that That really affected me, and I did not know how badly that affected me. Because being a woman, our womb and our heart center is so incredibly vital to us. <sighs> and that traumatized my womb like no other. So we're still working on that. So, yeah, that was how I moved into awakening that uh, spiraled me into a lot of um, postpartum. And I was there for uh, I started to come out of it 
in 2017. Did the ripping of the placenta, this is just bringing back all of <laughs> why I'm so pro home birth. Um, did that injure you? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, I know that I had some crazy blood clotting happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is the type of oppression that happens in hospitals that I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's supposed to happen during a birth. This is extremely common you also know? for black women in, in birth. Yes. Uh, the mortality rate yes. is, is very high. Mm-hmm. So it's something, uh, if you're not aware of that, something to look into. Absolutely. I had to go back to the hospital. My baby was four days old. I had a four-day-old baby, and my calves were as round as my thighs because of how much water I was retaining. I couldn't lay down because I, if I laid down and took a deep breath, you could hear the gurgling from the water in my lungs. And I kept calling, and I kept telling people, hey, this is what's happening. Hey, you know, like something's wrong, and they would send me home. And it got to the point where I have to give a shout-out to my mother because she came up to that hospital and she did not leave until oh, something it. happened, you know, because I had never been in a, a situation where no one listened to me and I didn't know what to expect. You know, it was my first labor. I didn't know if I had done anything wrong. I didn't know, if, you know, had no idea. And I would have died like I would have absolutely died. Yeah. So shout out oh. to moms. <laughs> Yeah, this is I, I could easily go down a anti-hospital birth path right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is an ext- is like a very, very common story, though, for black women. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to. It's OK. Yeah, because <laughs> I want to get I want to get to your awakening story. But it's yep. so it's such a huge I am going to do a little bit of birth stuff just because for the for this. Your intuition was guiding you the entire way mm-hmm. of what was happening because mm-hmm. you are a woman and you are designed to give birth. Mm-hmm. It's something like so it, we're made to do it. Mm-hmm. And this particular system is set up to be the opposite of everything your intuition would tell you to do we're laying on our backs we've yeah. got weird lighting we've got strangers putting their hands inside of us Jeez. we've got beeping and judgment mm-hmm. and uh you know lying on your back i don't know what your calves would have looked like if you could have gotten up and walked around yeah you know chemicals pumping in on ivs and i'm not anti-medicine i'm not pseudoscience yeah uh, i do recommend that people uh educate themselves on we're just over here flashing each Sorry. other <laughs> We both wore sundresses yeah. to do a podcast. Um, but I love that the entire time your intuition mm-hmm. was like, like giving you the heads up. Yeah. Do you feel like that was your, your guides or? Um, I, I honestly think that I group them all together. Like ancestors, spirit, team, spirit, guides, higher self. I don't care who it is. I love them all. Okay. <laughs> you know, and I listen to them, you know. So uh, it makes sense that it was my intuition. Um, oh, it also makes sense. She just popped up. Sorry. It makes sense that it was my um, Aunt Shirley as well because she came to me in a dream once I found out I was pregnant to let me know that she knew that I was pregnant. She would uh-huh. be there. Yeah. Um, so she has really had her hand in the protection of me and my son on things like that. So I have to give her a shout out for that too. Hello, Aunt Shirley, you said? Yes. Hello, Aunt Shirley. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I know some people know the name of all their, uh, I just say the aliens, yeah. you know, cause they look like aliens, yes. but they're just, uh, they have one voice, but they're, you know, there's yeah. multiple of them. And, um, I don't feel connected to ancestors. Yeah. For the, everything feels very not earth, but I know that gotcha. I have Atlantean trauma. Gotcha. And so I think part of my, like. I'm not from here. <laughs> Shit comes mm-hmm. from that that I'm still uh, starting to work through. But that's kind of skipping ahead. Um, all right. So birth, mm-hmm. postpartum depression. Yes. I was depressed for two years. Oh. Um, no one really recognized it as depression. Not even myself. To be right. honest with you. Um, everyone just thought I was, you know, she's upset. You know, I don't know. She Maybe she just needs to get out of the house. She's been in the house with the baby too much. I don't know. But it was, uh, I obsessed about, it's going to sound so weird, but I obsessed about my son's death so much, but it was, uh, it was preventing it. It was, um, I couldn't drive anywhere because not having my eyes on him long enough for me to drive. Oh no. If he coughed in the back seat, I'm stopping in the middle of a highway, which is definitely going to kill us all. Right. <laughs> But, um, you know, it was just too, in my mind, it was just too dangerous for me not to have eyes on him constantly. I wrapped him up. He was breastfed, like, here, all the time. So um, I was starting to come out of that a little bit, and I started to get uh, Reiki done. And getting Reiki done definitely helped me so much, and it it opened up a lot for me and I'm forever grateful to all of the Nashvillians that do Reiki. Like they've opened up so much for me. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard anyone else describe postpartum depression like that. Yeah. That's exactly how it manifested for me. I didn't know. um, I become so preoccupied with the death, the potential death of Mm -hmm. my child that I'm like, I'm not functioning in life. I'm like in the middle of the night. I'm like fucking with the car seat. I'm reading stories of how babies uh, become projectiles and airplanes. And I'm like, like, (laughs) um, just like 24 seven. And then I had to clear that attachment. Like the aliens were like, you have to accept the death. Mm. to get through this and i would just have to sit there and like cry and accept the like this is autonomous being that they chose to come to the planet yeah and i want to leave they can leave which is weird because if you see me parenting my older kids you're like do you like them or like <laughs> just like real hands off you know but um i it's like anxiety right it's yeah. like postpartum anxiety yeah it's just, and my personality's gone my magic powers are yes. barely existent was yeah. that your experience as absolutely. well absolutely absolutely was uh sorry go ahead nope you go was birth trauma the trigger do you feel like for the Mm -hmm. postpartum yes okay i think that feeling um feeling like no one around me could help me uh definitely was the main thing because i've been through some shit you know I've, i've had my fair deal of trauma and um but being in a situation to where i couldn't be avoidant I couldn't leave. I couldn't say, oh, fuck this. I'm out. I couldn't do anything. I just had to sit through it. And the people around me couldn't do anything. They just had to watch me go through it. That kind of, it did something to my mind to where I was like, I am alone. (laughs) Like, I'm doing this alone. I, I can't count on anyone. I can't count on his dad. I can't count on my mom. 
I can't. And the thing is, I'm still neglecting this power of mine. So I'm projecting this, you know? So if I'm around someone and I'm saying, I can't count on you constantly, then what are they going to show me? They're going to show me, okay, you can't count on me. I'm out, you know? And uh, it was, it was a very, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I'm powerful as shit. (laughs) Cause I created all of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird, uh, and I'm sure this is where you ended up at the finish line, but it is weird. Like the conflict here is that I am alone and that I can't count on any of you. Mm-hmm. And then the power at the end, the, the, the plot twist at the end is like, oh, I'm alone. Yeah. And I can't count on any of you. And that's where my power is, is yep. that I am creating this entire world. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I was in a weaker state when I believed that you were going to save me. Something Absolutely. outside of me was going to save me. Absolutely. But I had to go through that, like, almost uh, grieving the fact that I thought that I could count on people. Like, I, I tried to give my power to other people and my power is mine. Yeah. You know? And I had to grieve that thought process. And it took two years because it was with people that I, I truly counted on and I truly loved. But I had to step into my own power. And I did. And it has been amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing. Two years. So that took you to like 2017? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start uh, getting to the point to where I I didn't give my power away until I want to say 2019 but I started waking up to the fact that that's what I was trying to do or that's the issue it was like I was on a loop I would take a person out and then someone else would come in and the same thing would happen so I was like oh obviously I'm meeting duds so let me find another person yeah and the loop would happen again and I was like um I think after the third person, the third time with the third person, I was like, there's something here. <laughs> yeah. Let me figure that out. Um, romantic relationships? Some. Okay. Some were romantic. Um, some were family members. Some were just friendships. Like it happened so much. And it was because my team, myself, my higher self needed me to get this hay you are giving your power away. You are codependent right now. This yeah. is what you're doing. And it took a really long time because I'm stubborn, but I got it. I love this realization. Hated it when I was having it, but that everyone, that the people in our life who were hurting us in 2017 to 2019 were providing a mirror for our like outdated beliefs. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to tell if you're still running a codependent program is the same character keeps showing up in a different body. You keep getting the Uh same person. What do do you want to share what that looked like for you? Um, So I, I would do it with my mom. Like my mom would, um, we had really tough issues with boundaries. So if I would say, Hey, I don't want to do this. She would like flipper shit. You know what I mean? And I felt like it was way, uh, it was way too much for what I said I didn't feel like doing. Yeah. So that would be me and my mom not talking for a couple of months. And then I would go over and still have interactions with my son's dad. And he would tell me, he would set a boundary and tell me that he didn't want to do something. And I would flip my shit. And mm-hmm. I would be like, excuse me, this is not who I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is not what I do. What am I doing right now? And that would result in, when we were roommates at the time, but that would result in us not talking for a couple of months. And then I had a partner that I was with, 
and she would set boundaries and I would flip my shit again. And I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) what (laughs) is this? Why do I keep doing this? You know, why, why does this keep happening? And then once I felt like I got my co-parent under control and I got my partner under control and I would try and go have some sort of relationship with my mother, it would start all over again. And then I think it really hit me once it got into my friends' circles and I felt like I was having a hard time setting boundaries with them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to have any friends. <laughs> like, I'm not like, what is this? So it was like all around me. It was, I couldn't get I couldn't get away from it. And whichever way you want to flip it, whichever way, if you want to say that it was me working through loops with other people, that works. If you want to say that it was me projecting it onto other people, that works as well. Either way, it was a lesson that I needed to learn. And I was being very, very stubborn. And it was like being in a house of mirrors. Yeah. You know, and I was like, why do I keep seeing this ugly reflection? And eventually I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's me. (laughs) It's funny that we're like curled up on the floor like, why? And then it's like, oh, oh, got it. I put these mirrors here. Yeah. Cool. So do I start the healing now or how do I fix this? And it's amazing. Once I got in line with um, accepting the fact that I could be the problem and accepting the fact that I had work to do, it just started falling into place. Like teachers would show up, healers would show up, um, and it, it just worked out. Um, Easier? Did you have a harder time? becoming someone who sets clear boundaries or someone who respects clear boundaries? I think sets. Okay. I'm perfectly fine with dealing with whatever people want to do. Cause I, yeah. don't, I don't think I care that much. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to setting boundaries, I, I like have two modes. It's either really passive. Like, Hey guys, could we just, if you don't mind, then the other one is like, look, I fucking told you, you know? Yeah. And finding that middle is so vital and so important. And that's been a big, big part of it for me. Being able to um, say, hey, I don't know if you know, but that made me really uncomfortable. Not that you did anything wrong, but I'm I'm really uncomfortable. And actually, I'm going to go take a couple minutes and we can talk about it. Like that, I probably would sit up thinking about that for six hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because... That goes back to me being black, me being in the South. When people look at me, they already think, oh, she's mad. You know, she yeah. she's angry. She has a reason to be all this good stuff. When honestly, I'm even if I am, I still have the right to tell you, you know, hey, this is a boundary for me. And it's so easy to end up being um, like tagged as, oh, you're emotional or you're sensitive mm-hmm. or anything like that. and. I'm getting to the point to where I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm emotional. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should be too. Get into it. But it doesn't (laughs) change the fact that this is a boundary. Right. Whatever you want to call it, respect it. Right. Cool. So it's, it's been difficult, but we're doing it. I feel like I would have taken, I took boundaries as like extreme rejection Mm. um, in my wounded state when i didn't even know i was wounded because i ascended in 2012 you know Mm. and i uh 
but I had a, such an intense fear of rejection that I just would avoid. I just never, never ask anyone for anything. So they never had to set a boundary. So I never had to mm. feel the crushing weight of it. And then I got into one of those twin flame things mm. and uh, he attempted to set boundaries with me. And I would like, I would take it as like extreme rejection. Like it would bang up against this mm. wounding and then it, I would make it about me. And yeah. I was like horrible to, yeah. to, to his like need for boundaries. And I'll, the interdependent stuff I've, I've talked about on the last couple episodes, there are people that hear that mm-hmm. and they go, so we're all just going to be pieces of shit. Now we're all just going to be when I'm saying like, you're like, you're responsible for your own happiness. Yeah. You're not like nobody else is responsible for your happiness. That see, you know, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Boom. We're so trained to self-sacrifice for mm-hmm. what other people want, but we are alone. You are alone in the creation of your own happiness. That is just a fact. Now, I can give freely of myself, but that has to come from a place of choosing to give freely and yeah. not trying to look like a good person mm-hmm. or trying to get someone to believe that I'm good. It certainly can't come from that person uh, telling me that I have to do it because they are crossing my boundaries. Oh, yeah. And when we all realize these fundamental truths, which are that we do not owe anyone, anyone, children under 18, maybe we do not owe anyone anything. Yeah. Uh, and that no one owes you anything. No one owes me anything. Yeah. When we get that fundamental thing there, we don't get locked in that codependent mm-hmm. thing that fucks us all up. Nobody's happy. Nope. And then I get to do energy exchanges with you from the heart space and not from this fake ego space of Mm -hmm. trying to appear good. And then nobody's holding anyone hostage. And then when you tell me I'm not really comfortable with that, do we not, you don't have to be a dick, you know, but like, Hey, this is not really something I'm into. It's not going to, I'm not trying to look good or be the good person. I'm trying, I'm like, usually people don't have to set boundaries when, when, when everyone's tuned into energy, it's rarely needed. people tell you you know what i mean you can tell someone doesn't want to be touched if you pay attention to their body language Mm -hmm. i put myself so physical i mean corona was amazing for this (laughs) week and i just tell you corona got everyone out of my aura but i place myself like i being like touching people is intense for me and it's trauma i think energetically it's also a lot for me so i in the grocery store it stresses me out to have people coming close to me in the aisle or what yeah corona's been great but um so i'm i'm and i recognize that body language in Mm -hmm. other people um so boundaries are probably going to be clunky has that been your experience you kind of have to clunkily set them um did you try to set boundaries that aren't boundaries in the beginning like my boundary is you have to call me back (laughs) no my my experience with boundaries has been um I'll set a boundary, someone doesn't acknowledge it, and I judge it. And then something in the same moment, like five to ten minutes later, someone sets a boundary, I ignore it, and then I'm like, holy shit, I just did the same thing. You know, so it's like an understanding, I'm in an understanding level of this is what it feels like to not have your boundaries respected. This is what it feels like to be judged so hard because you just judged them so hardly for not respecting your boundaries. So it's like, I'm navigating the entire energy of setting boundaries. It's been, it's been a lot, but, um, but it's, it's, 
I don't know. It's been good. I I set boundaries, and if I feel like they're too strong, I have no no problems with going back and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm trying to navigate this a little bit. Sorry, that might have been too much. Let's talk about it, so you I can understand it. where I'm coming from." But um, not a lot of people can reciprocate that, and that is also a boundary that I respect. You know? Yeah. So not a lot of people can can be vulnerable in that sense of talking about it. And a lot of people will be triggered by me setting boundaries and I have to respect that. We'll get there. It's fine. Do you feel like boundaries are a phase in the ascension? Like it's a, Absolutely. like a phase in, he- you have to be like so healed already. And this is not a value judgment against yeah. people who aren't healed yet, but like you have to get to a certain place of healing for yeah. boundaries to be something other than disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how a lot of, um, and I'm, when I'm thinking about these issues, I'm thinking about family, like, cause I do a lot of, um, like generational healing. So I have to, I have to address certain things that happen between me and my parents and my elders so that it doesn't go on again. Um, so that's a lot of the work that I do. So, um, setting boundaries with my mom or with my older brother or someone like that it's clunky it really is because they don't understand they they've never understood me and now they don't understand me and I'm speaking with a certain like tone you know Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of authority behind what I'm saying and I mean what I say boundaries are so foreign to my family that when I set them they don't think I'm serious and I'm like oh no I'm serious I'm, like they I think you're it. joking? Yeah. They think oh, I'm wow. joking. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm very serious. So it takes, if you could imagine saying something and someone doesn't take you seriously to the point where they think you're joking and you have to break that and you're right back to tension, oh. you know, and you have to sit in it for a minute. Yeah. And um, they don't know what to do with it. And I have to be patient with that, though. Like, what am I going to do? Get angry? Yeah. You know, like I have to be patient. I have to let them flail the way that they need to. And let them know, hey, when you're ready to talk, I'm here. Yeah. But still, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I've been a uh, similar position with family mm-hmm. stuff. I think um, it was completely foreign to me in October of last year that I could just decide that I didn't want to do something mm-hmm. that other people would perceive was selfish. I might have said that wrong. Like that I could do something that everyone else would perceive as selfish. It was completely. So what I used to do is what everyone does is we find dishonest ways to, to sabotage relationships that we don't want to be in anymore rather than just say, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we create fights, we create conflict, Mm -hmm. we, we deactivate, we do these things and, um, it's dishonest. It's not, it's not honest. And a lot of what I'm saying about, end relationships you don't want to be in anymore mm-hmm. be be honest and be the bad guy mm-hmm. you know that's a controversial take but uh you don't have to be in a relationship you don't want to be in anymore you don't have to l- let a, a parent live with you if you don't want to have the parent live with you anymore that's fine yeah. um <laughs> and uh i had never been honest like that in my yeah. life i just people pleased and then when i couldn't handle people pleasing anymore mm-hmm. i would deactivate i would ghost i would make up an excuse to get out I would let my money run down to zero so I can no longer provide like Mm -hmm. all these very like wounded child ways of getting out of things I don't want to do anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think 5D allows for dishonesty like that. 
It definitely doesn't. Um, that leads me to think about the like the foundation of my spiritual journey. The first step is honesty. If we yeah. can't get past honesty, then there is no, we we have to tackle that. Then the second step is coming from a loving place. So are what what you're saying is it honest? What you're perceiving is it honest? What you're uh, the people that you have around you are they telling you the truth? Are they are they being honest with you? Okay. Now, are you guys coming from a loving place? And I don't mean love and light when I say that, because in my family, if we we can have an argument and say, I fucking love you, you idiot. Like that's how, you know, we can we can be like, I'm really pissed off at you. You're you're upsetting me. And I I love you at the same time. I need you to know, because if I didn't love you, I wouldn't deal with this. You know, I don't don't know if that's the healthiest way, but I love (laughs) love is in there. You know, so are you are you doing things out of love? Are you receiving things out of love? You know, are you receiving it out of guilt? Are you receiving it out of shame? Are you receiving, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of different things that you need to to check off on the honesty and the love portion. The next portion for me, all right, knowledge. Are you learning? Are you trying to learn more? Are you trying to teach? Are you trying to expand? Or are you saying, this is what I have? And that's all I'm going to have. You know what I mean? It goes back to me saying, don't once you once you achieve something, that's not it. No, you keep going. You keep learning. If you're not learning, you're teaching. That's just how it is. The last one is like the passion and the fire, because um, I don't know if I've mentioned this yet, but I'm really rooted in hoodoo work. And one of the sayings for hoodoo work is if you practice hoodoo, you have to have a fire about you. There's a fire that burns in the center of your chest and it's just there. And people that resonate with it resonate with it, you know. And once you start to practice with it a little bit more, it either ignites your fire or you'll know it wasn't for you because you kind of catch on fire in a way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's a it's a feeling like a lot of people say, oh, you're so warm. And that's my quote unquote fire. Like that is my passion. That is my um, driving force. It's a center. It's an energy in the center of my chest. So I think in other terms, you could say moving from your heart space. Okay. Yeah. And that, and when you say that that's the foundation, like that, is that the like litmus test in everything in your life? What is that? Litmus test. Uh, you ever like <laughs> use figures of speech and uh, then someone asks you what it means and that my kids do this to me all the time. They're like, what's that mean? I'm like, oh, huh. I might not know what that word means. Ah. Um, the, the way to gauge, to discern everything that you're involved in, like yes. it passes this test. Absolutely. And um, a lot of people that come to me for services, uh, whether it's root work or a reading or any products, you can expect influxes of this in your life because that's where I work from and that's what I work on daily so um the first thing that people see when I do uh, a, a ritual for them is they're telling off all of their lies and their truths and they're getting it off of them because to like that it weighs you down you know especially with the I think it's 5d where you start to get kind of uh telepathic yeah you have that's part of the shadow work to be available to stuff like that because if you're holding on to these truths and you don't want to share them with people then it creates a barrier to where you can't have that flowing communication so I think that honesty is so important. I think honesty too is um, 
like dishonesty is a mechanism of unconsciousness, right? Because so yeah. much, so much people are doing stuff who are like more unconscious, not a value judgment against oh. the unconscious. But I just have to put that in there constantly. They don't know why they're doing the thing, you know. Yeah. And once you're like five D, you got five D discernment. Everything is so obvious. Yes. Yeah. And what is very interesting to me, I've been thinking about the July of last year when 5D downloaded and it hadn't like started installing yet, but I could see what it was going to be. And Mm -hmm. the analogy I kept using was that if two of the best actors in the world were fighting, Mm -hmm. you would know that they were acting because you could see the energy exchange and you cannot fake an energy exchange. Not at all. And then as the 5D download has installed to people who don't even know what 5D is, it is they're like now watching the justice system be mm-hmm. exposed and the pedophilia be exposed. Yep. And this is everything that it said with the 5D coming in is you can't hide in the shadows anymore because Mm-mm. everyone can see it. Everyone has eyes to see. So yep. they're just like, that looks like just brutality yeah (laughs) maybe you just killed him for no reason yeah yeah Yeah. and i i have found it very interesting um how violent just overtly violent police have been you got to get on twitter guys but like Mm -hmm. how overtly violent police have been at the uh protest where everyone can see it yeah and i'm like it's so interesting when you know the entire world is watching i mean it says something to what this this current system is Mm -hmm. but also it feels like because everyone has this discernment now and Mm -hmm. this thing like people who had 40 before they knew they had 40 and they could hear subtext now we just straight up have eyes to see truth so truth has to be exposed yep like it it's having a light shine shine shown um on it it cannot hide yeah this is going to be a wild ride for the next couple of years because man do we have a lot of stuff happening Uh in the shadows Uh uh-huh and if you look like you can tell that this is major shadow work and a lot of people who have already done their shadow work they'll be able to navigate this energy pretty well yeah, uh, man, are the other people hard to watch on the <laughs> right now, man. Yeah. Whew. Uh, let's talk ancestors a okay. little bit. How did, yeah, you just go. Okay. So um, I, let's see, let's start at the beginning. I, um, my dad died when I was eight years old. So uh, that was really abrupt and brutal and that was uh something big for me to deal with but even as when I look at and it was it was it happened in a very um newsworthy way so I was in the newspaper and I was on the news and stuff like that and when I look back at the things that I was saying as like an eight-year-old and nine-year-old it's the same stuff I'm saying right now like it's, it's crazy to look at but I remember um knowing then that oh I can just talk to him like I knew that as a kid I can just talk to him when I miss him I can just talk to him when I feel like I need to go see him I can just go see him and talk to him that's it um once I I think around 14 or 15 I um started seeing him more in my uh, mental space, well, I don't know if it's a mental space, but I could visualize him. And when I was feeling really um, alone and sad, he would come to me and he would be in this uh, white space and he would dance and he'd be like, don't cry. He called me big baby. Mm-hmm. Like, Don't cry, big baby. Come dance with me. And um, 
And there would always, he would show himself to me through yellow flowers. He would show himself to me through, um, every time, every time me and my mom are together and he wants us to stop arguing, he plays a Jodeci on the radio. (laughs) So every time we get in the car and there's like tension, Jodeci will come on. I'm like, fine. (laughs) You chose her though. (laughs) So why don't you come down here and get her together? You know how she is, you know? So it has always been there for me. It has always been there for me to communicate with them, but um, it got really, really heavy in the uh, 2017 awakening. Now for everyone who is not attuned with their ancestors, you gotta do it. (laughs) And um, the easiest way is to uh, start saying that you are open to receiving messages for them from them. Um, get ancestral readings. Um, you can set up an altar for your ancestors. The um, I've had a lot of like no offense, but I've had a lot of white people reach out and be like, "Hey, I want to do ancestral work, but I." I don't know if my ancestors were the best people. So if you want to uh, make offerings to them or if you want to set up an altar in their honor and you want to discern between your good ancestors or anything, I just put on a piece of paper all honorable, known and unknown ancestors. Okay. So it represents your honorable people because, I mean, we we all have some, you know, we all got those cousins that just didn't do right, you know? (laughs) Um, So I I put on there all honorable and anybody could do that. And you would need recognition. So it could be that piece of paper along with um, pictures or any uh, physical thing that you have of theirs. Um. Some people say you need two glasses of water. I know that one will work just fine once you start getting a little bit more fancy. You can add two for your paternal line and your maternal line of ancestry. And then you need a candle. And that's it. All you need is representation, water, and a candle. Now, if you want to get more fancy, you can um, add uh, certain adornments to it. Things that remind you of them or vice versa. Things that... um, once you see out, you're like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. Um, offerings, uh, you can do their favorite meal or any meals that you have. Just set aside a portion for them and put it on there. Make sure you take it off before it goes bad. Um, fruit, vegetables, anything that will last for a while. Plants are good. Um, and once you get attuned with that area a lot, Sage it really well, keep it nice and together. You will feel the the field around that. Like it, it just feels differently and you'll feel their presence. And um, they can communicate to you in a number of different ways. Uh, I'm sure everyone knows about the angel numbers by now. Just uh, different synchronicities, seeing different numbers, seeing different names. I even see my name sometimes. Um, uh Music, like I said earlier, certain movies, uh, the last movie that me and my dad saw together, I'll see sometimes and I'm like, hey, so he's trying to let me know he's here, you know, Um, even if it's something simple, you don't have a lot available to you. If you have Pandora on your phone, you can say, "Okay, ancestors, what do you have for me? And put your Pandora on shuffle, go out in nature, take a walk and see what messages you get from that. But the more you are open to receiving, the more they'll give to you because they're not going to keep talking if you're not listening. Right. You know, 
So yeah, ancestral work is amazing because if you think about it, you have so many people willing to ride for you, to yeah. protect you, to help you with your manifestations, to help you with these messages and these insights. And they want to, like they want to do it. I remember going through a moment where I felt bad, like constantly doing things. And they're like, hey, we alchemize this shit. It's heavy for you. It's not heavy for us. So what you got? So our ancestors uh, like graduated souls or are they in the state of like, I might be completely, no, completely but... ignorant here, but like, okay, so like ghosts, mm -hmm. like 40 ghosts, mm -hmm. they're just whatever they were before they died. Like mm -hmm. when I encountered them, you know, mm -hmm. um, our ancestors more of like, uh, let's say it's a great, great, great grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, is this her ascended um, like, are they helping from a place of just the lived experience that they had, or are they coming from like a more of a higher dimensional space? I think it depends okay. on the amount of healing done for that lineage. That's what I honestly believe. Okay. Um, it could be, uh, in a way of verbiage and things that are said and used, you might want to watch certain things that you say because they might not know what you're talking about. Okay. But, um, I, I communicate with my ancestors like like I would communicate with higher selves. So there are some people that believe that they are exactly how they were when they were here. Well, a lot of my ancestors, I didn't know when they were here. Right. You know? Yeah. So um, I just communicate with them in the best way that I can. And, you know, I haven't had any hiccups yet. So I, I look at it and I believe it to be their higher selves because I also... I don't know how deep this goes, but I also believe that you can be having multiple experiences at once. Like you can be in multiple avatars at once. Right. And um, so I believe that some people can be ancestors or spirit guides for someone and still be on the 3D. Does that make gotcha. sense? Yeah. So um, even if someone is living, they can be a guide for you if they're part of your spirit team. Yeah. So I feel like that's going to be a plot twist. Get it all figured <laughs> out, you know, that it's like, what if we are just playing in some VR room somewhere yeah. and that shitty boyfriend who like, you know, made you cry for two years, but then you woke up because of it. He's yeah. just sitting in a chair next to you. And, you know, aren't you glad I came in yeah. when I did? <laughs> yep. And the aliens are just like me, you know, just sending myself messages yeah. from the future. I think about that stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's so yeah, wild. Yeah. I get stuck on that loop a lot. Uh, what was one we were on yesterday? Death. What do you think happens when you die? Um, I don't know. I don't really think about it too much. I honestly think that, um, when you die, you wake up and you're, Ooh, I can tell you this. I think that one time I, oops, sorry. I moved away from this. Let me get adjusted. Um, I remember being in this white room once and I don't know what it was about. Like, I don't know. I, I remember I felt like I got abducted by aliens and I was in this white room and I was just there and I was looking up, but I couldn't see anything looking at me. But I felt like I should have been able to see something looking at me. And I was just there. And when I um, kind of came to, I, uh, 
I opened my eyes in real life and I was looking down at my body. How weird is that? Like I was like up in the sky and I was looking down at my body and I was asleep. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like 15 or 16. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I would think an experience like that. But um, I would stay in the white room and we would have a discussion of some sorts. That's totally an alien abduction. <laughs> I didn't know uh, that everyone didn't fall from the sky. Before. Like every night when I was a kid, I would be up at my ceiling and I would fall down on my bed right before yeah. I woke up. And I didn't know that that and I referenced that later and I didn't know that that wasn't everyone else's experience. And then I read like some stuff about alien abduction and that's one of the symptoms. Oh, yeah. I got the chills. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounded pretty alien abductee. Um, something else I was going to say. Yeah, because we've been like with the timeline stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really understand timelines before 2017 when I started being able to see them. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, what if we don't even, you just blip to a different timeline. What if there's like, I'm already dead on five of the time, you know what I yeah. mean? And I yeah. just am like blipped onto a different timeline. Agreed. Like that, that, that resonates because there have been times where I wake up and I'm like, this is not, yeah, this is, things are just easy now. What do you mean? <laughs> like I've been, we're just going to do it easily. Okay. And I think that's part of um, being fluid. We might be doing a lot of timeline jumping and our truths might change a lot and our reality might change a lot in, in order for you not to lose your shit and in order for you to not combat what's happening. You might have to learn how to navigate this waking up in a completely different scenario and being like, all right, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. You know, all right. It's no longer easy. It's hard. Okay. We always verge to the left here. Weird. Okay. But you have to, like, I, I feel like that's a key point in this. What would it be? Like, I guess this awakening. Yeah. This phase yeah. of the, uh, of the apocalypse, I guess it's, um, I think we were, I don't think we said this on the podcast. We were talking about the, like this and that and yeah. allowing all of the like the paradoxes the further you go in this mm -hmm. it's everything is such a paradox like everything is contradictory to the thing that you learned yesterday and mm -hmm. it's getting to the point where it's annoying to try to be a person who articulates it for a living yes because it's the energy of things mm -hmm. something i um learned today was uh i've been talking a lot about getting rid of guilt and obligation mm -hmm. guilt and obligation has to go like you cannot move into 60 energy which is about passion and what makes your heart sing until you have dealt with the last of the 5d wounding i don't last is probably an exaggeration but yeah. um guilt and obligation and the boundaries to go back to that you have to do what's right for you without trying to seem good yeah and I get people who, who call me a lot for like, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. What is my purpose? Yeah. And all that comes out is wa is water cards. 60 is all wands for me. Okay. And 5D is all cups. Makes sense. And I'm like, you're still, who are you, who are you catering to in your life? And it's like, well, my mom, this and my, you know, it's almost always mom and significant oh, other. You ever notice that? Yeah. 
And uh, I'm like, you don't want to be in this relationship. Why are you in this relationship? I just also hate that my job is just like oh, telling people to break up all the time. But like, what are you doing here? And it's like, well, I don't I don't like I want to be a good person. No, you don't. You want to seem like a good person. Yeah. If you could be let off the hook tomorrow, you would be off the hook. You don't. You want to seem like a good person. So let yeah. me explain to you why you can't handle your 6D job yet until you have dealt with this because you're here to change the paradigm, mm -hmm. which is going to make you look crazy, yep. mean, not nice, not good selfish like mm -hmm. you're here to change the paradigm from a codependent reality where everyone just pacifies themselves by blaming everyone outside of them for their own misery yeah and when you disconnect from that and start to speak your truth and the truth of the higher dimensions you're not going to look like a a good person they're just everyone thinks i'm a piece of shit now i don't know what to tell you like yeah same don't worry <laughs> see you in 10 years when you share my morals i yeah. don't you know sorry i don't like uh, I say that as if it doesn't still bother me sometimes, but like I had to just like cut that stuff loose and just like, I'll see you guys on the other side. Like I don't, uh, I'm just going to go hang out with everyone else that everyone thinks is a piece of shit right now <laughs> and wait for you guys to figure it out. Your morals are based in bullshit. They don't work. Like yeah. you're all miserable. You weren't happy when I was catering to your every desire. Exactly. So it didn't make you happy yeah. for me to be miserable, you to be miserable. So right. now I'm breaking out of it to try something else. And now you're not happy again. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is the, uh, guilt is trash. Yeah. So then the last week happens Sorry. and, um, there is a lot of, uh, I haven't gone back and listened to it cause I'm sure I said a bunch of stuff I regret, but there was an episode called answer for your ancestors okay. where, um, I maybe danced around, but tried to like warn everyone that the, uh, the white supremacy was about to collapse yeah. and that, um, as white people, we are carrying the, whatever the opposite of trauma is mm -hmm. we are carrying, I guess it would still count as trauma. But when I described the death of the masculine, I talked about, remember how painful it was to find out we had been raped yes. in the awakening of the feminine. Imagine waking up and realizing that you were the one who did the raping and the pillaging exactly. that sorrow is what, and that guilt Mm -hmm. is what's coming into the white collective right now. The aliens told me that there was going to be a, like an opening of the Akashic records and the mm. true, ugh, this, 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 look <sighs> at my body. <sighs> the true history of this planet is going to come to all of our remembering. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> Jeez. It's not good. And it's uh, beautiful in that the power that was suppressed by mm -hmm. colonization is coming forth yeah. and you can see that everywhere yeah. and that's beautiful. And that's the birth, um, the answering for the ancestors. Mm -hmm. This is going to hurt white collective. This is going to hurt. This is, I would way rather find out. I really didn't enjoy finding out I was the victim. I really don't want to find out that I did all of these horrible things. Yeah. And, uh, it's just part of the balancing of the energy it's time. It's mm -hmm. time for that restoration and power balance to come forward. Yeah. And um, this is not the time for guilt. Oddly enough, it's still not the time nope. for guilt. And so today I was on a reading and the alien said, uh, 
Google the difference between guilt and remorse because as this is coming forward and I'm trying to figure out what to say, mm-hmm. you know, and I've like, I keep typing things out, which is rare for me and then deleting them. And I'm like, it's just not time yet. I'm just going to wait for the podcast. I can hear people saying, well, you just told us not to feel guilty. What are we, what is this that we're feeling right now? We're supposed to take responsibility, but you told us not to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept like typing things out and deleting them. And the alien said, Google the difference between guilt and remorse. Yeah. And uh, found a screenshot and guilt says I did something that was against my morals and it was wrong and I am a bad person because of it. Yeah. And remorse says I did something wrong that and I'm going to make it right. Like I and I am going to change and I'm going to do something different. Yeah. And um, I'd been trying to put my finger on what I didn't um, the energy as this, all of this revealing and this balancing is starting and this mm-hmm. birth process is starting, I'm trying to put my finger on, on the thing I didn't like white, not didn't like, but the energy that w- guilt was the thing mm-hmm. when, when you experience this thing that has to happen, which we, th- this awareness has to come forward just like we have to find out about all the pedophilia yeah um luckily you don't have to wake up and realize that you're a pedophile as this comes forward when it comes forward through a place of remorse you can stay in a balanced place it does it doesn't feel good Mm -hmm. but you can say okay we did something wrong and i live in a system that is i've benefited my entire life from this system Mm -hmm. and i am currently the the odds are all stacked in my favor i am holding energy that is not mine that was raped and pillaged and stolen from other people and i am going to be an active participant in returning that or you can go oh my god i'm a bad person and what what you do in that moment is like the energy exchanges from people who are just channeling guilt yeah was just like DMing black people and oh asking god. them what am I supposed to like there was so much cringy I was oh like my god. man watching people find out white like watching white people find out about white supremacy has been it, really cringy for those of us who were well aware of it Jesus Christ. Um, but guilt will make you do stuff where now you're making it your victims per, like problem yeah. to fix because you, you're trying to get someone to tell you that you are good mm-hmm. that's the difference if uh and i have what i have gotten caught up in is uh fear of seeming performative or that like yeah like glitching because we are in we are in one of these moments where you have to watch everything you say yeah and everything's very tender and triggered mm-hmm. right now it doesn't stay this way for very long but uh i have gotten caught up in like I here's what i feel is the right thing to do but mm-hmm. what if it is perceived this way and it's like okay who cares how it's perceived? Yeah. Follow your gut. What does your gut tell you the correct? You know how energy works. Yeah. You've known this was coming. What is the correct thing to do here? You're probably going to fuck it up. And and then the cool thing is people can say, hey, I crossed my boundary. Or, oh. hey, that, I, th- that's actually not helpful because there's tons of blind spots. When mm-hmm. you are on the receiving end of white, pri- when you have white privilege, you have a million blind spots. Crazy. Cause you haven't had any <laughs> fucking boundaries your entire life. Yeah. And opening our hearts and allowing ourselves to like, just, uh, feel this moment, like yeah. feel this energy and, and, uh, deal with the things that our ancestors do. And we're still 
doing them. I mean, that's kind of the thing I like. I wanted to talk about the answer. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like go into this no, so far good. on this episode, but um, these are like. I don't know, September, I think I got the 60 downloads and I kept starting to talk about it on the podcast and then mm-hmm. taking it back out. And, uh, this is a huge transformation, like energetic transformation, but yeah. it is, it is, I don't know. I'm so excited for the birth of the power of this planet yeah. that like, I'm like, I'll be uncomfortable because exactly. look at this goddess coming up exactly. out of the thing. Like I am fucking excited for that part. Um, but there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable feelings for, mm-hmm. for white people. And um, defensiveness is something to watch out for. You are, If you're feeling defensive, it's because it's in there somewhere with you. I also think uh, trying to prove you're not racist is a huge waste of time. Just assume yeah. you're racist. You, you know, racism just doesn't mean like, I hate black people. Like, of course, nobody, you know, like yeah. just 1% of the people. Well, I don't know. Actually, I can't speak to that. It's, a, it's not so overt. Yeah. Um, it's everywhere in our culture. It's you've been, we've been hypnotized our entire life by media. Mm -hmm. Of course it's in you and kind of saying it's in me and I want to find it and I want to expose it to myself. If Mm -hmm. nothing else, you don't have to go (laughs) please stop tracking down your black (laughs) friends and (laughs) imposing it on them. Um, and just like, let's start this healing, but like, it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you want to know kind of an, a rough idea of how this this healing has to take place, look at me too. You know, don't yeah. rush, don't rush people to the healing. There was a moment when we were all like, "Fuck all men." Yeah, uh, all men are scum. Whatever. We mm-hmm. came back out of that energy. Uh, let people have their anger. Let them have yeah. their fucking space. Um, there's, for the most part, I think white people come over here and educate ourselves talk amongst ourselves figure it out figure out how to do the right thing don't don't take uh (laughs) it's not our moment you know it's our moment to get our shit together but it's not our moment to be in the conversation uh to be the center of the conversation and from a galactic standpoint if you want to know where we're at in the playbook the bible talks about the last will be the first and the first will be the last and it's time to find your place in the line god i've waited to say these words for so long um and I, I talked to, uh, up in the kitchen. Um, I laughed at uh, when I was a Christian. Christians used to quote that the last would uh-huh. be the first, or the first would be the last. And it was like, like rich, <laughs> white uh, Christians, straight, you know, just yeah. like, and they were like, when this day comes. And I was like, okay, we are aware where we're at in the line, right? Yeah. Like, um, this is the moment. This fucking awakening is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, the power that's coming to the planet, everything that you thought could never happen. Like we're never going to get to the power balance here. We're never like, we're never going to see paradise. We're never going to yeah. see anything. It's because the wrong people are in charge. And the quicker we balance that energy yeah. and we, we bring that energy, uh, back from where we took it. And we open our hearts and mm-hmm. allow this healing to happen. The mm-hmm. quicker we get there. Yep. Um, I don't think that resonates. It with did. <laughs> it did. And I just want to say, I know I don't talk about this portion of it a lot, but I just want to thank everyone who has the arsenal energy. I want to thank everyone who is out there protesting and getting hurt for this cause. And I want to thank the ancestors of the people who have passed on because of this cause. 
they are so so important for this and they are creating a space for me and my children and people like me we're going to have a safe space you know we're going to have a place where we can't our powers can be on display you know what i mean yeah. we can my son can be his little rainbow self you know what i mean he can be this bright child out there and i'm not going to feel like oh mm, not yet. You know what I mean? And it's because of that arsenal energy. It's so important. But I know a lot of people don't have that and they might feel some guilt because of that. But you don't have to be arsenal to be a catalyst for change. There are so many different things and different ways that you can approach this no matter where you are, no matter what side of the playing field you're on. It it really doesn't matter. Like, um, if you if you are like my friend she is um she's an office worker that's what she likes to do but she is also spiritually aligned so she's trying to find her place in what she can do in her office they are starting a committee to where they can educate their um employees on the systematic racism and different um, things that are going on and injustices and how to deal with certain certain things like that. And because she is one of the only people of color in that building, she was like, okay, I want to be a part of this. If anything, I, I want to be the head of it, but we can see that I'm at least a part of it. And that's a key point. Like, thank the people that are on the front lines fighting for this, but you can do so much more like the, the healers. I'm more of like a healer Oracle hybrid. And I am, I've been drawn to heal the land of where these protests are taking place because there is nothing good left when there's, you know, rubber bullets and there's the markings from the tear gas and, um, that that's not a good energy to be left around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've even been called and I, I haven't started this yet because I just got it started. But if anyone feels inclined to pick this up and do this by hearing this, I will not be upset. I will join you. Like, please do this. I've also been called to heal the lands of plantations. Like I want to do a plantation tour because I feel like there's so much that happened there and there's so many unmarked graves. And there's so much um, from white people and black people, the traumas that could really just trigger you back into it. Wow. Like um, I remember uh, Water Baby talking about the certain earth grids and stuff like that. And that's what I see when I think of healing these areas. They need it. You know what I mean? And um, also on the topic of healing, um, like I said, I'm not, I don't have much of that arsenal energy. So I went out um, after the protest in Nashville and I was, uh, or after one of them, I don't know how many we've had, but it was one of them. And I was healing um, that land out there, had my sage, everything was putting down, you know, some sigils and stuff and um, just really getting in tuned with the area. And I'm going to say the bright side first because uh, it's beautiful. I actually cross paths with someone who's drawn to do the same thing. 
which is the biggest and best synchronicity I could have asked for. And she was like, you know, I was just drawn to come out here and just put out some love. And we like blessed each other with the sage and we shared our purpose with each other and we went about our separate ways. And that is the type of energy that is going to be happening. You're going to come across these people that are damn near doing the exact same thing as you, but you're not going to be attached because you're going to understand that they have something to do and you have something to do. But there was so much love and power in that moment. And I'll never forget her face and I'll probably cross her again. And, but I didn't feel the need to say, Hey, stay here with me and do this with me. You know? Yeah. And that when you let go of that attachment, you get to do these amazing jobs and meet these amazing people like that. But, um, Back to the healing, I was uh, healing the land and my sage bundle got so like hot and so big. I was like, "Ooh, let me put this down. And I looked in my, um, I had a bag of trash and I looked in there and I found the one thing that wouldn't burn if I put this sage on top of it. So I put it in the middle of the like greenery or grass. There's a big grass circle. And I continued to pick up trash, pick up rubber bullets and stuff like that. And I had my music playing out loud so that I could hear my surroundings. And um, a man comes up to me. He was uh, a black security guard comes up to me. And he was like, oh, ma'am, now you can't be doing that. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you can't do that. What you're doing is destruction of property. So I was like, oh, okay. So I just looked at him for a minute and let him understand that I'm not, you know, not afraid, not triggered, not anything. I'm accepting what you said. Okay. And he, um, he was like, so what are you going to do? I was like, I guess I can extinguish it with water. So I walked over and I turn around and I see a white man like stomping out the sage and he has the piece of trash in his hand. So I go over, kneel down, pour out the water on the uh, ambers because it was still lit. And I'm thinking healing the land. I don't want to make more burn marks in the grass and stuff like that. So I'm thinking in that way, like I'm trying to, you know, not do this. And he was like, um, he was like, who are you with? And I was like, me. And he said, yeah, who are you with? So I looked around and I was like, no, it's, it's just me. I'm here by myself. And he was like, why would you set this on fire? And I was like, oh, no, I'm here picking up trash. Like, that's what I do. I just, I go around, I pick up trash. You know, I'm not not with anyone. And he was like, this is a part of the plaque that we're looking for. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, why would you set this on fire? And I was like, um, hmm. So I sat there and I had to look. And I had to recognize from a healer standpoint, he's triggered. Like, I am a trigger for him because he just had something very big happen to him. So I, like, this is this is how my thought process is. I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. Yeah. I'm saying he's triggered. And I have a choice. I have calmed my mind to the point to where I have a choice. I can feed into this trigger. I can see him for what he is. He's not well right now. You know, he's going through something and he's not well. And I'm not helping. The point of me coming here was to help. So I had that thought process quickly and I was like, okay. And I just said it out loud. I said, okay. And I just stood there like, now what? Okay. And he's like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I said, okay, I'll leave. Because it's not in me to 
fight it. It's not in me to argue it. You know, that's not that's not me. And I don't feel guilty for that. That's not my role in this. And that's not what I'm going to assign myself to do. If I wanted to go out to help and I'm no longer helping. okay, I'll leave now. I'm leaving and I'm still picking up trash and he's getting more and more triggered. And I see him. um, No, I hear him. Like he said, uh, what part of get don't you understand? Is this the security guard? Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. There's There's a white man. Okay. There's a white man. He's like, what part of get don't you understand? And I have arsenal. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I keep walking, you know, and the security guard is like, okay. He's not playing. You need to leave. And I was like, and I turned around because I don't want to seem passive. I want to make sure they understand I'm not passive. So I turned around. I looked at him and I said, I'm leaving. Okay. I'm here to pick up trash. So I'm going to pick up trash on my way out. You're fine to follow me, but I'm leaving. So I'm doing what you asked me to do. Turn around, continue to pick up trash. And he continues to follow me. And I get like down the steps and a little bit, um, away from the white man but the security guard is still following me and i hear step to the left so i did and as soon as i heard step to the left and i started to i hear like his keys and i hear him start to kind of like go you know how you can hear someone rustle a little bit yeah and i turned around and i i don't know for sure but spiritually and intuitively he was about to push me you know like, we just have this moment of him, me looking at him, and I was like, you you were about to push me. If I was still on the grass where technically he asked me to leave and I hadn't, quote, unquote, left yet. Wow. He would have pushed me, you know? And um, that brings me to another big point. This, seeing how people are, the people who are having an issue recognizing that the time of white supremacy is over are reacting in the same way that narcissists would react in a relationship where someone is taking back their power. And the more the people um, who are fighting against that energy can calm their reactive minds when dealing with them. Like we're going to get to a certain point where the protests are really just staring at these people. Yeah. And they're just going to be fucking flailing like these people that can't let this idea go and the system go. They're going to be be the crazies on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everybody else is going to be like, oh, what's up with this guy? You know? Yeah. So um, I just I've seen that and I, I see it time and time again. And that's what brings me comfort, like the more energy that we reclaim on our own and the more that we harness our own energy and we have this proper exchange like you're talking about, the people who can't get on the same page, they're going to fucking flail. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, and there's a lot of energy to, to burn off yeah. um, from those. Uh, the, the parallels with narcissists are so mm-hmm. like this entire system. They're trying to get my attention and I'm trying to yeah. pay attention to you. I just see these white freaking balls of light and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be here though. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, do they have a, an important message for the podcast? Um, 
I just keep hearing get your cards. So, but my cards are up there. They're up there. It sounds yeah. like we got thunder coming in anyway. Hey. Oh, hey. Um, I'm the thunderstorm lady, so that's probably are you? what it is. Yeah. I call oh, it thunderstorms. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, you, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen your work since I've been here. <laughs> they are no joke. We had no power for like three days. Oh, sorry. Uh, we got a generator. It's cool. Um, okay. Well, uh, if there was a weird edit right there, there was um, some stuff I wanted to take back out of the podcast. But um, so weird redacted i do and we're probably getting i don't know how long it's been a long time um i want to talk about services and products that you offer because uh the people of soberish love to um partake in the services and products that let's do it um i do ancestral readings so my readings uh i tap into the energy of our higher selves our ancestors and our spirit guides um and i channel messages from them to you uh as far as oh i also do root work so um any type of rituals regarding an oppressive situation or if you're struggling to embody certain characteristics um I do that as well. And uh, I don't work with any uh, goddesses or deities. That's important to some people. Okay. I harness the energy of the earth and universal energy. So that's where my energy comes from. And I harness that and use it for us. Um, And I also have like different body oils, bath salts and stuff like that. Um, It just depends. I do small batches right now. I'll do bigger batches if there is a bigger demand. It is all found on 11thanddelphi.com. Delphi is D-E-L-P-H-P-H-I. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to add an A for some reason. (laughs) 11thanddelphi.com. And um, there's something else I wanted to add, but I'm forgetting. Oh, yeah. As far as my readings, I have the option to do a video call, a phone call, or just messages because I know that some people get really anxious about phone calls and video chats. So, yeah. I love that. I love that idea. That's so smart. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? Social media? Social media, 11th and Delphi. Um, and that will be on Instagram. And YouTube, there will be some general readings for Arsenal, Oracle, Healers, and Image Setters coming soon. I love that. Um, If you want a reading, hurry up and get them while you can because I'm phasing readings out so I can focus on Patreon and Imagination Project. Otherwise, Imagination Project is going to take forever. Um, JessaReed.com. Uh, Jessa Reed Comedy at Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to be checking your podcast app for the next five to ten days because we're going to be dropping a bunch of episodes. Um, I absolutely love doing a podcast with you. And since we are uh, neighbors, if you would be willing to come back and do more in the future, I would love that. Absolutely. Hell yeah. All right. I had something funny I was going to say at the end. What was it? Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't funny. Can you, uh, can we close on the story of what your son said? Oh, yes. Arsenal, I just want you to know this is what your energy is doing. This is the, this, you're making way for these children in this type of energy. So my son saw a rainbow the other day and he was like, mommy, you know, I used to be a rainbow. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And he was like, yep. 
I was so happy and so beautiful. And you can be a rainbow, too. Isn't it the sweetest? (laughs) I love that an arsenal are out there fighting so that there's a safe space. Yes. For these beautiful children to exist. I love it. I love it. Um, All right. We'll uh, see you guys in a couple days. I never know how to say... I never know how to end a phone call or end a podcast. I do like readings all day are just these <laughs> awful endings. People always end up messaging me after they're like, I don't know if that was weird. And I'm like, it's not you. It's me. I like can't hang up a phone. Anyway, Mark, just cut the mic. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, my God.